Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to TCK Care, the podcast. And joining us on the show today is a, another TCK author, Christine Kinderberg. Um, Christine, uh, it's time to ask you the million-dollar TCK question, which is, where are you from? Such a fun question. Um, all right. Well, my, my life story, I suppose, answers that question. I was born in Peru, lived there for just a few months before moving to Kentucky, and then moved to Chile for elementary school, back to Kentucky, moved to Panama for high school, moved did my senior year of high school in North Carolina, and then went to Wheaton College, and then after college went to Columbia, and, and now back in the Chicago area. So I'm currently in the Chicago area. Um, as an adult, I've more or less chosen to be from the Chicago area. But um, yeah, lots of countries have been part of my life journey. I love that. I love the phrase, as an adult, I choose to be from the Chicago area. It's a very act, active, intentional, conscientious sort of uh, sort of a statement and very reflective on the TCK experience. So that's very, very cool. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. And uh, Christine, you were telling me that you work at Tyndale, right? Can you tell me a little bit about that? I do, Yeah. I work as a Spanish language editor at Tyndale, so I get to be part of the Spanish team, work in Spanish all day. That's fun. Um, yeah, I get to use a lot of my uh, the skills that I picked up as a TCK with language skills in Spanish, but then also, um, yeah, communication skills across cultures. So that's really fun. Mm-hmm. That is cool. And so you yeah. must be like super bilingual in Spanish in order to be able to have that kind of a job. Is that... Is that pretty much what this what the case is? Basically, yeah, it does help. I went to school in Spanish for a number of years and had some great Spanish teachers. Well, a particularly great Spanish teacher in high school. And so I basically have my job today because she was really great about teaching. Um, yeah, a great usage of Spanish. And um, so yeah, I it, definitely immersed in Spanish. So um, in kindergarten, it was I had to learn Spanish if I wanted friends. And um, so I, I quickly learned Spanish. Yeah, in a Chilean, Chilean elementary school, got mm. to um, yeah be surrounded by Spanish, and you know went to church in Spanish, and um, on the playground we spoke Spanish. Uh, my parents were very uh, conscientious about giving us giving us English books to read, and making sure we spoke English at home because we spoke Spanish everywhere else. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, at one point it was definitely my parents were more afraid that my brother and I would learn our lose our English skills. So, um, yeah, so Spanish is definitely in there. Yeah. Well, by all appearances, you didn't learn, lose your English skills. So, you know, did a great job of <laughs> both languages. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. All right. And then, Christine, you were telling me also that you wrote a novel on the TCK experience, right? I did. Um, well, yeah, I, I am a writer. I write fiction. And, um, yeah, this is my first novel that more or less came out of my TCK experience. So I didn't exactly, like, set out to write a novel about TCK-ness, but I, um, as I started writing the story, and it turns out this character is a TCK, it gave me a chance to explore a lot of the questions from my life related to my TCK experience. And so, yeah, that's been really fun. It just came out. I published it July 20th. So it, yeah, it just came out. It's called The Means That Make Us Strangers, set in the 1960s about a white, a white girl who grows up in Ethiopia and moves to South Carolina the first year there are African-American students at the white high school. 
So it also touches on themes of like, um, a lot, well, the big question of the novel is kind of where is home for her and who does she belong with? Mm-hmm. And her questions of belonging and identity and race is part of that. So a lot of it is her coming to terms with being a white American. And then it's set in the, you know, 1960s in the South. It's kind of a, um, that was a time period when what you looked like defined who you belonged with. And as a white outsider in this time period, she had a different definition of who she belonged with that was in stark contrast to a lot of the people around her. Mm, yeah. Or how a lot of the people around her defined who she belonged with. Which, in a sense, that may still be true today in that um, it may be a, sort of an expectation that you will fit in with the people that you look like. And yet, um, that's not that's not at all that's not at all true, that it's not at all, you know, a real expectation that's something that we put on ourselves or um, perhaps some something that other people mistakenly put on us. Um, but that there's okay. no reason why that should be the case, right? Um, I think as TCKs, that's one of the things that we struggle with a lot, or at least that's something that I've struggled with in my life, is that I look very much like, you know, typical white American, um, but I feel very different inside. And so um, unless someone knows my story, they would assume I'm just a, you know, regular white suburbanite from Chicago suburbs. But I feel very Latin American and bicultural and I'm in TCK. Mm-hmm. So um, even sometimes people who've known me for years don't necessarily really appreciate um, like my deeper life story that doesn't show up on the surface. But then, yeah, I think that's a huge issue in the U.S. today, too, that people, um, I mean, there's a lot of prejudices and assumptions that come with skin color, just that alone. And I think that's, um, yeah, a big issue. I think actually TCKs can speak into in a different way. Hmm. Yeah. And hopefully they do speak into that in a different way. And hopefully we are, um, agents of change in this regard and that, um, because we feel a sense of, uh, a sense of belonging, uh, with, perhaps with unexpected groups or in unexpected ways, um, we can kind of normalize that to show how different people who look different and, you know, practice different things and believe different things can still come together in a very real way, just on the basis of us, of us all being human and having, uh, having similarities that are more important than our differences. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think TCKs can also be, I think TCKs are natural build, are bridge builders. Mm-hmm. Or at least um, a lot of TCKs that I know, yeah, are kind of natural connectors between different different groups. And I think that's something that we definitely have to offer kind of a wider society. Right, definitely. Uh, which, if this is the first episode that you're listening to of TCK Care, the podcast, you should definitely go back and check out Of Bridges and Roads with Jessie Vance. Um, and she talks more about... Um, the whole bridge building aspect. And it was, that was a great conversation, but um, you just reminded me of that as we were talking about this aspect again, yeah. kind of hitting on that. So yeah, I hear you. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, before we get into your book, uh, Christine, I wanted to ask what were <laughs> some of your favorite parts of being in TCK and growing up in uh, South America? Yeah, definitely the aspect that I got to know people from all over the world and very different backgrounds. So my parents, um, my parents worked with Wycliffe and they were 
um, they weren't translators, but they worked on literacy programs with indigenous people groups. And so I got to know, you know, people from uh, people whose families were subsistence farmers and lived, you know, in the middle of nowhere. And I got to play with them on ox carts as, you know, seesaws. And then I also, um, we lived in the capital city. So I went to school with people from, you know, embassy kids and people whose families were very wealthy business people. And um, some of the families who went to my school, someone's aunt was president and uh, dad was mayor of the city, you know, things like that, that were kind of, Mm. um, I knew people from a lot of different backgrounds and um, some of the experiences that I got at the TCK too, like um, getting to travel to really cool places and getting to, um, yeah, have experiences that like people pay a lot of money to do these things. And it was for us, it was uh, almost normal that we got to have really cool adventures and um, yeah, meet super interesting people from all sorts of backgrounds. Mm. Yeah, I would say, I'd say it's probably what I appreciate the most. Yeah. So it sounds like you had some really varied experiences, not not just in that, you know, you're um, an American who grew up in another culture and got to experience that culture, but even with that, within that context, you had a wide exposure of, you know, diff- different people from different socioeconomic statuses and um, perhaps different right. geographical regions and um, just had a lot of different experiences uh, in that. And so that's really cool. And it's also kind of cool that, you know, your parents mm-hmm. were working on literacy programs and now here you are and literacy and language is still such a big part of your life. So you can definitely see some carry over that way yeah. too, I suppose. I definitely come by my, my book loving uh, life. Like I come by it honestly, yeah. definitely inherited that from my parents. So, yeah. Nice. And what would you say has been the most challenging part of being a TCK? And that could be either something that is associated with that experience of growing up overseas, or perhaps that's something that's come up since then. Mm-hmm. But what has been the most challenging aspect for you of being a TCK? Yeah, definitely um, the amount, the number of transitions that we had. So we we moved around a lot as I was growing up, and that was hard. Every single time was very difficult for me, and especially we moved at some key moments for me. So as I was finishing up elementary school, going into middle school, and then going into high school again, I think I went to six different schools, K through 12. And then we moved right before my senior year of high school. And that was very hard. Um, Yeah. And each of those moves was, you know, a complete loss of all my friend group and my status within, you know, context and had to change churches and um, reestablish myself in each new place. And that was really, really difficult for me. So that was depression and some other things like that, that, um, yeah, it was made growing up hard. Um, yeah. Times that I, yeah, not only lost all my friends, but also my, had to kind of remember who who I was in each new place and I reestablished myself. Yeah, each, that was, there were a lot of uh, very difficult moments growing up and definitely struggles of faith too, as a, because my parents were missionaries and each time we moved, it was basically, um, at least when I was a kid, I understood it as 
God told my parents that we had to move to this new place. And Mm -hmm. I don't like the fact that we had to move to this new place. I'm unhappy here. So I'm unhappy and it's God's fault. Mm -hmm. That connection was, um, felt more clear to me, I think, than it, um, it might have if my parents weren't missionaries. So yeah, it definitely led to some struggles of, of faith too. Yeah. That's understandable. Definitely. Oh yeah, thank you for sharing that and just you know being honest about like the different the the struggles that went along with the experience and I really appreciate you mentioning you know um, uh, dealing with symptoms of depression and I think that you know for someone who moves around a lot and especially at such uh, pivotal times in your development you know I I would expect that to be on the table for anyone and um, I think the the real harm is when we just uh, we either ignore it or we don't deal with it when it happens you know what. the harm is in yeah. when we don't prepare for it or don't deal with it after the fact, I would say. And um, so it's really cool that, you know, yeah. you you had those experiences. And while, while the difficulty, you never you, you never want to hear about about pain and loss, but it sounds like you've uh, really sort of, uh, I don't know, moved past it, overcome it, um, gained some clarity about it. Would you say that that's true? I would, um, with a lot of help, I would say. <laughs> yeah, I've, um, as an adult, I've actually met with, um, the Wycliffe has a counseling program, and um, Penny Phillips was my counselor. I think it's okay to mention her name. She uh, met with me for a number of years, and she was someone who knew a lot about MK experience because of all the MKs she's talked with. Mm-hmm. And um, as an adult, going back and talking through with her through a lot of the things I experienced as a kid, Mm-hmm. And um, as a high schooler, that was that's been pivotal. I think I would say in my life, um, mm-hmm. yeah. Her role speaking into my life and helping me process things, as well as other people, um, other friends who are TCKs, and um, yeah, other mentors and people who have really uh, spoken into my life and really helped me process a lot of the hard things that I've been through. So yeah, I'm, I'm thankful for all the people who have played that role in my life yeah that's really cool and yeah it's so so helpful right just to have uh have safe people to talk to and have people who are um trained in uh working with things like this on helping you process your story and uh, facing facing your emotions and dealing with them and stuff like that um that's really cool so yeah thanks for sharing with that yeah so helpful Yeah. yeah And I think it's great when, you know, when you have, uh, I think it's great when people have friends that can do that, but counselors are so, so helpful in that regard. And so I think it's really cool that Wycliffe has someone like that, that they can uh, turn to for help to uh, help people deal with stuff like this. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, I definitely am grateful for having mission organizations become more aware of um, taking care of the missionaries, but also their MKs. I think that's, um, I think even in, you know, since I kid to what I've seen today, I think mission organizations have been improving on that. And so that's, um, yeah, I'm thankful on my own behalf, but also on behalf of other MKs that I've seen. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Hmm. You know, I've heard it said that given the, given the opportunity, parents will be good parents and given the opportunity, children will thrive. And I would take that one step further and say mm-hmm. that if given the opportunity, um, sending sending organizations will do a good job of sending people. And I think that like uh, just mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, but um, 
increased awareness, increased um, just conversation that we're having about issues like this, which, you know, hello, that's why we're doing this podcast, right? Um, I think that people are more yeah, aware yeah. of issues uh, that uh, that are common in the TCK experience. So, and so sending organizations have the opportunity to do a better job of sending people out, uh, sending people out well, uh, preparing them for the challenges that they're going to face, and then um, helping them overcome the struggles that they face along the way. So I think that's really cool. That's a cool testimony. Yeah, definitely made a huge difference. Yeah. And now I'm all the more interested in hearing about your hearing about your book, having, you know, heard a little bit about your experience. So, um, Christine, did did you say that you had uh, you had your book in front of you, and you'd be uh, up for reading us some of that? I I would be glad to read from it. Um, yeah, it just came out um, the twentieth of July. Yeah, so I have a freshly printed copy right in front of me. Nice. Um, there was a section that I thought would be fun to read, uh, starting on page five, so a little bit into the first chapter. But it talks about what I think is a very common TCK experience, as you'll see. We packed everything, clothes, books, baskets, cooking utensils, and five suitcases and a big green trunk my parents had brought with us when we first arrived. Marmy and I started with the spare linen, the sheets and pillowcases and tablecloths that always made other people in the village stare at our excess. We packed the school books when we weren't using. Marmy checked to make sure her mother wasn't looking, then slipped her Latin textbook into the bottom of the heaviest suitcase. We folded our spare clothes, carefully running our hands over the draped, the printed patterns of headscarves, the knots of the beaded jewelry we used only on special occasions. We left my father's books on his shelf so he could pack them himself exactly the way he wanted. Later, I would wish I could have packed my favorite tree, the wide expanse of the fields, the smell of coffee roasting over the fire, the sunset. Later, I would wish I could have found a way to stay there in the village where I belonged. Mother told us to fill the suitcases while she cooked. All the other mothers in the village made their daughters help them with every step, but Mother preferred to cook over the open fire herself. She said the flames and ash made her nervous for our safety, even after all these years. Cassie sat on one of the goatskin cots reading, mouthing the sounds of letters like I'd taught her. The sunlight pouring through the open bay didn't really reach her in that corner, and she had to angle the page to catch the chinks of light that came through the bound sticks that formed our walls. The thatch roof always made it dark and cool inside, which was not almost everything except for reading. Cassie's friends came and crowded around the doorway, blocking most of the light. They greeted my mother politely, as was expected of them, but after that they never lapsed into friendliness the way they teased the village mothers. They simply stood, balancing on one foot on the calf of the other leg, imitating hunters, staring at the things strewn about the room and the open suitcases that covered the dirt floor. Adelie, Mommy, why are you still inside? We're going to see the goat herds. Do you want to come? Mother told us we couldn't, and eventually our friends went away, taking Cassie with them. When we packed everything else we could think of, Marmy and I started taking down the herbs and spices hanging from the roof beams. We wrapped them carefully in spare strips of cotton, fenugreek, basil, turmeric, ginger, cumin seeds, cardamom pods, red peppers, and then we tucked them between layers of clothes in the suitcase. Our mother looked over and frowned. 
don't pack those, she said, as if we should have known. She leaned over the nearest suitcase and pulled out the header, the long skirt, the beaded necklaces, and braced head ornaments. You won't need these in Carolina, she said. She left them in a heap and returned to the fire pit. Marmy and I looked at each other. She whispered, What does she mean we won't? I asked aloud, What do you mean we won't need these? They're the only clothes we have. Mother barely looked up from the cooking. Your father is bringing some American clothes back with him after this conference. Her voice was the same tone as always, like the walk of a mule, unwavering and emotional. Her eyes were half open, the way they had been almost every day for the last six months, since the baby came too early. What does American clothing look like? Mommy whispered again. I shrugged. The only American clothing I knew were the things our dad wore to conferences and the old baby clothes our parents had kept in the trunk. When, Mar- when Mother stepped outside, I repacked the headscarves, the skirts, and the beaded jewelry, covered them up with a large maroon sheet, and shut the suitcase. We left the rest of the herbs hanging in their place. Marmy and I carefully packed the baby things when my mother was outside. They were still folded neatly in the basket next to my parents' bed, where my mother had put them when she was preparing things between contractions. When he was born blue, still and silentless, we buried him in the little way, a shawl for a shroud, grave covered by rocks. He never needed the basket or the clothes. Now, none of us wanted to touch the thing. Somehow, we didn't do a good enough job hiding the baby things. Two days before we left, in a torrent of last-minute activity, my mother suddenly stilled where she was kneeling, her fingers caught in the past clean cable net of a baby blanket. She stood up and went outside, and we didn't see her for half an hour. I couldn't tell where she'd gone. Is Hara all right? Cassie asked, using the word for mother all of her friends used. Our parents made us speak English in our house, but we let Oramisa words creep in when we were talking to each other and we didn't want to have to stop and think of the English equivalent. Wrap that sheet tighter around the pot, Cassie, I said, and I stuffed the baby blanket down between two of our dad's old sweaters. I watched the doorway until Mother returned. So that's just a bit of the first chapter. That was that was beautiful, Christine. Well done. Thank you. Yeah. I, I Man. You couldn't have picked a more emotionally charged uh, uh, time of life to read from than than packing, right? Any TCK is gonna <laughs> any TCK is gonna listen to that and be like, packing. Yes. How do you pack the trees and the smells and the sights and the feeling of the feeling of home and the sense of belonging? How do you pack a sense of belonging into a suitcase and carry it with you? I can. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and then all the stuff that goes with it, all the feelings that you associate with stuff, because it is just stuff, right? And yet it has such a powerful emotional hold on our hearts, you know, the baby clothes and Yeah, I I do feel like I stuff often carries an emotional attachment for me, I think, because we moved so much. And so it stuff becomes kind of invested with the the feelings of the places and the people and all those other things that I care about and yeah, so that the packing definitely had to be had to be in there. Yes, right. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, listening to Michelle Phoenix uh, lead a session mm-hmm. on t- the TCK experience, and she was 
saying that TCKs often, um, after leaving their country of uh, the country where they grew up overseas, they'll develop um, roots or wings, and they'll develop wings and be like, "Hey, this is fantastic! I'm a traveler. I'm going to keep traveling." Or they'll develop roots and be like. <laughs> Man, I'm tired of letting go of all this stuff. I'm just going to collect all the stuff that I can for the rest of my life, and that's the end, you know. And mm -hmm. I, I can definitely, mm -hmm. I can definitely understand both, both, uh, both needs. I, I, I feel like, yeah, I feel both needs within me at the same time. Now, if there mm -hmm. were a way to travel with all of your stuff, like that'd be one thing. <laughs> no, no, right? <laughs> yeah, if it. You know, we had magical bags that everything just folded very nicely inside the bag and it all fit. Yeah, you could carry it with you. That'd be that'd be nice. You know, I'm still working on developing a teleportation device. It hasn't come very far <laughs> though yet. So yeah, I have to wait on that one. Oh, well, when you figure it out, let me know. That will <laughs> come in handy. Will do. Will do. Oh, man. So, Christine, I've got to ask you, um, how has being a TCK impacted your ability to write? Yeah, I definitely think there's a lot of, well, people talk about how writers, like you have to be really observant to be a writer. And I think that's a skill that comes naturally to TCKs. So I think because of all the cultural adaptation we've done, I think TCKs are used to kind of watching a situation, picking up on small cues and things like that, that actually play into writing. So that's been really fun um, sort of something that comes naturally to me as a TCK, I get to use that in my writing. And also, I think writing has also given me an opportunity to explore my TCK experience in a different way. So sometimes when, um, sometimes through writing, I was able to find a safer place to explore some emotions. And writing also gave me a place to be honest when I didn't necessarily feel like I could be honest in conversation or I didn't have people to process things with, I could do some of that in writing through poetry or journals or stories, um, you know, writing stories. And I think as an adult, that served me really well as I've continued writing. And as I've written this novel, I think a lot of the, um, yeah, a lot of my TCK experience has um, sort of been folded into my writing process now as, as an adult. That's fascinating. I know technically that there's a lot of observation that goes into the TCK experience, but I hadn't thought about how that might apply to um, the craft of writing. So that's very cool. Yeah, it's been, it's fun for me how I hear other writers talk about this. It's like something I have to learn, you know, to like see how, what is it that makes up you know, a common interaction, a certain environment or whatever. And I think, oh, TCKs do that without even thinking about it. Like, it's, just, <laughs> it's you know, part of what we grow up doing. And it's, uh, so I feel like I kind of have uh, um, a foot up sort of as a writer because of being a TCK. Right. And then because you have those skills, then, you know, what, what better way to apply them than processing your own story and your own experience and I have heard, although I've not written fiction myself, I've heard that writing fiction is kind of like mm -hmm. creating a world in which your mind can live for a while. And so creating a world mm. where these emotions are coming up, but they're coming up in a safe place of your construction. I, I feel like that'd be such a beautiful way to process the emotions and the experiences um, in a way that even if it's unreal, can be so could be so potentially meaningful and valuable to to the writer. 
Yeah, I love I love writing fiction. I love how it gives me a chance to explore. I think how I would say it is I get to a chance to explore questions from my life through a story without being limited to the particulars of my own story. So, um, yeah, it gives me, a, yeah, like you said, you, you get to create an, a world where you get to plan for a while and kind of let your mind go free and explore, yeah, emotions that you might have felt in real life or um, uh, particular interactions between people get to explore that a little bit further without some of the constraints of real life or of um, nonfiction writing. Yeah. Yeah. I love fiction. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, Christine, I was going to, I was just going to say, um, you know, having the experience that you have had and um, having been able to process your experience and um, now coming to the point of being able to, you know, put it, capture some of the, the themes and the feelings and the experiences in, in your book, um, would there be mm-hmm. any advice that you would give to other MKs, TCKs, or perhaps uh, TCK care people out there? Yeah, I think, um, I hope everyone has a strong support network. I think that's what I would say. I think as TCKs, it can be easy to be disconnected, either disconnected from people around us in general or disconnected from the TCK part of our lives. And I think as adult TCKs, I think it can be really important to have other people in our community, at least be connected with other people somehow who get that part of us and who begin to our lives uh, referencing TCK experiences that we've had. At least for me, I know that that um, the friendship that I have with my, my friendships aren't necessarily with TCKs, but I really value the TCK friendships that I do have and um, as well as the mentors who can speak into the TCK aspect of my life mm-hmm. and um, help me continue to process that as we do have to continue to process that as, as adults. Yeah. Having that strong support system is definitely so important and um, setting it up, you know, from the, from the perspective of a caregiver, setting it up is possible. There's things you can do to uh, support that. Um, Like um, if you're in the care team, then like having regular communication with MKs and TCKs and letting them know that you are a reliable um, a reliable source of relationship and they're going to be there to check in. Um, if you're, if you have, uh, if you're, mm-hmm. if you're raising TCKs, you can set up uh, regular communication with extended family members to promote a sense that even though you're living away from family, they're still involved in your life. And then if you're a TCK, there's things that you can do to create a sense of community for yourself too, of like you were saying, um, you know, Sometimes the closest relationships you have are not necessarily with other TCKs. And so one of the best things you can do for yourself is being open to having t- relationships with people who are not TCKs, which I think, I think you know, we do that mm-hmm. naturally when we go overseas, right? If you're going to move overseas, of course you need to fit in and of course mm-hmm. you need to try and of course you need to make friends that aren't TCKs. But it's not as, maybe it's not always as an as automatic of a thought coming back this way and saying, you know, now that you're a TCK and have this different experience, mm-hmm. you might gravitate towards um, associating with other TCKs and other people who have a similar experience. But you, and, and that's fair, that's healthy, that's normal, but you also need, again, to fit in and to learn the culture and to find friends who aren't 
TCKs um, to make friends with the locals, so to speak, even though it's mm -hmm. your your home country. So, I like that your I, lo I love that your word of advice was or a word of encouragement was um, just you know cultivating community and community support. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Christine, for um, taking the time to uh, yeah. come on the show and share share your share about your story um not only the story that you wrote but also your life story with us a little bit i think that you know, you've got a very unique story and um i think that it you know it sounds like some of your story is captured beautifully in your book the means that make us strangers and if you're listening on tckcare.com i'll have a link in the show notes and you can also find it on amazon um so check out the check out the story um let it, let let me know what you think and yeah, thank you again, Christine, for speaking with us and uh, hope to hear from you again sometime. Thanks so much for having me on, Stephen. It's been so fun to talk. Good. You've been listening to TCK Care, the podcast with me, Stephen Black, as we share stories and strategies for supporting TCKs. Hosting and producing TCK Care, the podcast is a part of my ministry, which is made possible by the generous support of my financial partners. If you would like to make a one-time or recurring pledge, please go to tckcare.com slash give. Don't forget to subscribe to the show, rate it on your favorite podcast app, and stay tuned for more TCK Care coming up next week.